those who are on a true path of purification, spiritual truthfulness, and a complete striving to reach union with God are very rare and very special. But your specialness consists in realizing that you're not special. And it's that key point that keeps one from having an ego about one's spirituality, which is very important. That's the key trap to avoid. You cannot be special as a separate ego because your ego is illusory. The first teaching is that all is Brahman, all is God. And all of us are part of a single being. And we are all interconnected. And those who create a spiritual community are creating relationships based on this wisdom, this knowledge of the truth that each of us is a manifestation of the divine, of the one self. And so if it happens that there is a feeling of alienation or aggression or anger or resistance to other members of the Sangha, then we have to look inward. We have to say, what is in me that is preventing me from seeing the other as the manifestation of God? What is in me that is closing my heart to the other? Even if the other is wrong, even if the other is imperfect and is acting in an inaccurate karmic way, that should never cause one to close one's heart to the love for the divine being that is there. And that is the key to creating a true sangha. Without that, we only have another clash of egos that is the same as happening out there in Kali Yuga. And so while it is true that we must teach law, there must be correction, this must all happen in an orderly way, but never with anger, never with any sense of a heart-closed attitude to the other. We are here to uplift each other. And we know that it is a very high learning curve to reach chakra seven. Part of the problem is that until one reaches chakra six, one is not immune to the projections of others. And so if someone unconsciously, and it usually happens unconsciously, not consciously, has a projection on the other, it's usually a projection that the other does not love me, that the other is not open to me, and I am the victim of the other, even though nine times out of ten or 99 out of 100, it is my projection that is the case and it is not actually the case. But once the projection has reached the target in the other, then the other is going to identify with that projection and feel, oh, that one doesn't love me. And then there is an automatic reflex of a mirror response. This is the imaginary. Once projections have been identified with, one has lost the higher real and even the symbolic one is in the imaginary. And then there is a mutual feeling that the other is rejecting me and so I will reject back and and two people withdraw. And from then on, there will be a cascade of misperceptions, misunderstandings, and a, a further deepening and withdrawal of relations instead of seeing the beauty, the divinity, and the other who is striving to reach chakra seven just as we are. And so we must always have an open-hearted relationship to the other. 
That is the essential. Without that open-heartedness, no spiritual progress can happen. It stunts one's growth at whatever assemblage point one is at. In fact, usually at the dispossession point. That is where one will remain because it, it involves a kind of paranoia and a kind of sense of victimhood that is false. And then we are not giving to the other. Even if the other is the first one to have had the projection, that's irrelevant. But it is only through love that others are healed. So that is part of our service here, is to give love even to others that we think are not being loving. Because there is nothing else that heals. Love and wisdom together. The teachings in these classes will give the wisdom and in the sessions we can help to break through the defense mechanisms. But it is an ongoing day-to-day need to nourish each other with love. And that has to be the primal vow of a disciple. If one is not willing to do that, then no matter what other yamas and niyamas one is willing to do, including fasting and and living the most ascetic life, it won't matter because one's closed heart will prevent one from reaching God because God is pure love. And if one's own heart isn't open, then one cannot fit God into one's heart. One's heart must be as vast as God is. And in that state, then there will be calmness, there will be serenity, and there will be an ability to see everyone in their true divine nature. And in that spirit, one can then apply the law, at least in the context that is appropriate for one's position in the Sangha, and help to bring knowledge and wisdom and healing to the other souls. But we must first be role models of that for each other. Without that, the Sangha cannot flourish. And that can only be done when one takes everything that, one is, that is appearing to one as a message, a teaching, that one must learn from in order to become more loving. If there's any way in which one is not loving or not feeling that love, then we have to look within, not accuse the other without. That has to be the first principle of our actions if our karma is going to be accurate. Whatever the other may be doing, that's their karma. They will get the messages from their experiences that will gradually teach them and from the classes and from the sessions that everyone is receiving here. And these are the, the only ways that are appropriate in which we can deal with the kinds of conflicts that are internal that will come up and that will confuse us and create doubt and create alienation from time to time. And for those black clouds to be lifted forever, it can only be by surrendering them to God, not to project them out horizontally on this plane. And if one obeys that principle one will very soon reach liberation because that is the purification of the soul. And in that state, then, there is no burden in the heart, there is no need for defenses, and the whole structure of the ego that was built to defend oneself against unloving others is already obsolete and will simply fall away. And then the mind will be silent because most of the chatter in the mind has to do with these projections. And all the desires and the fears of the lower chakras, they also come from these 
issues in the mind in wanting to get away from the internal conflicts, wanting to get a jouissance, a pleasure from the physical world to soothe a tormented soul. And even the ascetic things that we do are often there to soothe the, uh, the, the soul that is in torment by creating outer challenges and pains and difficulties that will then eclipse the internal ones. But if we follow the disciplines for that reason, rather than for the reason of becoming more pure beings who are manifestations of God, then we are covering over the wounds, the traumas, rather than healing them. And so it requires a, a, a very, very difficult truthfulness and ability to see beyond one's own ego narrative. One must cut with the sword of wisdom into the deep truth of one's being and recognize where one is deviating from that truth and diverting one's life energies into a negative fantasy. And when we have the power to activate the sword of knowledge in that way, doing the psychic surgery on ourselves, then we won't need karma or sessions, for that matter, to do it for us. And so I hope that all of you become very powerful Mahavirs, spiritual warriors, who have the capacity to wield the sword of truth so that your purification will be accelerated and all the darkness within the soul that has accumulated over thousands of years of incarnations can be eliminated at one stroke.